Welcome to the Leader Mentality Show with Rob Clemens. We are here in sunny Myrtle Beach, South Carolina at the Myrtle Beach Conference Center. One thing I do want to talk about today is a little bit about the world of leadership. And we always talk about leadership on the Leader Mentality Show, but specifically, I want to talk about work ethic. Uh, if you're out there in business, you know how hard you have to work to stay ahead of the game. There's some famous people over the history of the games of basketball and football and any kind of acting that you've seen that they're putting in so much work behind the scenes people don't even know about. So I think work ethic is going to be our theme today. How do you develop that? How can it take you to the next level, whether you're talking about business-wise, goals-wise, or otherwise, family-wise, mm -hmm. you might have yeah. a good work ethic. So nothing wrong with that. But we do have a subject matter expert with us here <laughs> on, on ethic, work ethic and everything else. And I wanted to introduce him. He actually needs no introduction because this guy's probably as well connected as anybody you'll meet in the Myrtle Beach area. But it's one Thomas Winslow from Winslow Law. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, sir. Appreciate it. Man, of I course. Don't know if, I don't know if I'm an expert, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, man, I believe in you. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know... You and I have known each other for a while. I feel Indeed. like kind of like in that in the scenes we run a lot of the same circles. Mm -hmm. What's been going on in your life, man? You know, life is beautiful. Life is a blessing, right? So every day you wake up, it's a blessing just to be there. Yeah. So we just keep going, right? We keep pushing forward. We've got three offices now. We're looking at the fourth. Wow. We have about three or four law firms contact us about joining our firm. Okay. Merging in together. You know, I'm, I'm just blessed. I mean, honestly, just blessed with a great family, great team, and a great community that I work with. When you talk about the mergers, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think businesses, sure. we're always talking about merging with other companies. Are any of your existing locations based on a merger, or were they all coming from your... Yeah, so, you know, the way we started this firm was a little bit of that work ethic concept, mm -hmm. right? So, I got into the law business about 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and, I, and I did defense work. Right? Normally, you do a defense or plaintiff, right? Do defense work, and I had a case against a plaintiff attorney who said, hey... Why don't you move down to the beach and join me? Mm -hmm. So I got me down here. About 10 years later, I was like, oh, I was fired on December 23rd. Uh -huh. You know, my wife is four months pregnant, paying my mortgage, no job. Did you Christmas say you were fired? fired? And then, okay. On the 23rd. I, I grabbed my phone. I grabbed my phone to check for the directions to the Christmas party. And I had a voicemail. And, and I always check all my voicemails, mm. all my text messages, all my emails every day. Yeah. doesn't matter how many I have. So I listened to the voicemail. And it said, don't bother coming to the Christmas party. <laughs> And so, and so I didn't bother going. So yeah. my wife and I were already dressed up. Yeah. Like, let's, let's go out to eat. Let's go out to eat. Mike, so we're going to make something happen here. Let's go out to eat. So we went out to eat. And, um, and I had a choice to make, right? I had a choice of either, either I kind of go on an unemployment and what was me concept. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Christmas, wife's pregnant. What am I going to do with my life? Or I move forward. Mm. Right. And that's where we started the old law firm, Goldfinch Winslow, seven days later. Wow. Right. A year seven later, days. Seven days later. Oh my gosh. Right. And, and so January 1st of 2013, right, is right where we started. And now we're Winslow Law, you know, 10 yeah. years later. Right. And so I had that choice to make. If I had stopped doing what I was doing, I'd never be where I am today. It, it's, it's an amazing concept because I think that so often we see these successful companies out there, successful people, and you know, the greatest basketball player out there, the greatest singer, all these things. And what you're not realizing is all we get to see is the success story, usually, mm -hmm. as the viewers. We get to see, wow, look how good Winslow Law is doing and how good these companies are doing. And you didn't see all the heartaches behind the scenes and the bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. And so this all comes down to perseverance and work ethic. And this is what happened to you. 
by the way, before we get too far away from that, the reason I stopped and I wanted to hear you say the thing about the, the being fired is I think a lot of us can relate with this. Yeah. At some point, something didn't work out like we or whoever else thought about it, it could be through relationships uh, in a personal life or otherwise. But it doesn't have to define you. No, it doesn't. It never defines you. Yeah. What defines you is whether or not you get up or stay down. That's the defining right? moment. That, yep. And then some people nowadays and in the past have decided to be taken care of instead of being taken care of other right. people, right? Yeah. And so I've always had the mentality of it's my job to serve others. God put me here to take care of the people around me, mm-hmm. whether in my community, my clients, my coworkers, my family. And so I'm going to get up every day as long as I'm allowed to. And I'm going to be blessed to serve others during that day. Yeah, that's a beautiful gift. Were you always like that? I mean, if we go back to six-year-old Thomas Winslow, were you like this? So when I was 12 years old, so this is the nerd, right? So I, I'm, I'm the biggest nerd yeah. in the world right here, right? <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. My uh-huh. next door neighbor was an attorney. At 12, I would go with him on the weekends to his law firm just so I could watch him work during mm. the week, during the weekend, because I was in school during the week. And at 12, you can't work. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Right? But I'd file some paperwork, and I'd be there helping with dictation, stuff like that, right? And so as I matured and I grew, I went to leadership camps. I went to, uh, I was in ROTC, you know, military, say guard, right? Hey, right? We, we got some ROTC connections right? there, all right. And yeah. so I went through it, and I went to an international camp. Uh, and studied international law when I was like 17. Everybody mm-hmm. else is in a basketball camp. and I was at international law camp. Wow. Wow. Right? And so I knew kind of the direction I wanted to go in at a young age. When I was 14 years old, I had my one and only panic attack. I'd wake up early in the morning. I'd go to school all day. I was on a soccer team. I was you know, president of the beta club, whatever they called it back sure, in the day, sure, sure. ROTC. So I had all these things going on. I was working from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. And then I go home and do my homework. This is like 14, 15, 16 years old. Wow. wow. And I was like, how am I going to manage this? And then when I, I had the panic attack, I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't know how to take care of it. And that was the only one I ever had because I said, you know what? It's, it's not in my control. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to stress out about it. God's got control of this. So I'm going to leave it to him. It'll, it'll work out. And if it's not supposed to work out, it's not going to work out. I'll move in a different direction. Yeah. And so what that allows me to do is have the mentality of it doesn't matter. Like if it works, great. That's how it's supposed to be. If it doesn't work, great. That's how it's supposed to be. It, it, it goes down that old thing like you talked. We, we talked about Thomas Edison and the light bulb and all this good stuff. And then we said, you know, he found all these ways not to create the light bulb, but you still mm-hmm. learn something new every time that you mm-hmm. take a try. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm talking about wife, Lauren. Everything good in my life has come from something bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, the reason I married Lauren, she was my best friend in high school, but I didn't talk to her for five years until my fiance broke up with me. Uh-huh. Or I broke up with my fiance because she was cheating on me. Oh. But if it wasn't for that, I never would have gone back to Lauren, who I have two beautiful kids with mm-hmm. now, right? I never had this firm. I wasn't fired, right? Nothing I wanted has come to where it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been what someone else wanted. God has wanted me to do. I didn't choose Lauren. I was forced into Lauren. I didn't choose the firm. I was forced into the firm. And that's where God wants me. And that's where I need to be. And I, I know that now looking back retrospectively, but at that moment, I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> Man, you, you know what's interesting? And, and I'm taking a little bit of a, you know, sometimes this happens on the show. We're talking yeah. about things. I saw this video the other day and, you know, sometimes you hear these things and, and they're too simplistic, mm-hmm. but boy, there was a, there was a lesson in here. I could kind of relate with a little bit, but they said, everybody has three loves in life mm-hmm. or three. And we're talking about in a relationship mm-hmm. way. And they said, you're first love, it's it's that first one that you ever experienced. And maybe it was a really great person, but you didn't quite understand what it was. Sometimes you mm-hmm. broke up for something really petty or stupid. And then your second love, a lot of times this is the one that you thought was going to be the best one, but it ends up breaking off in, in some kind of a tragic kind of a, maybe there's some kind of deception or some kind of thing. And the third one is one that you're not even looking for. It's not the one that you're, you're out there like trying to make it happen, but it mm-hmm. falls upon you and that ends up being the beautiful love that you have. I don't know how true that is for everybody that may be listening, but for me, it was like to the T what happened with I'm my saying, life. When, when my last semester of law school, right? So law school's three years, last semester of law school, the girl I had bought an engagement ring for, 
I know she was cheating, right? Yeah. So right before Christmas, I was single for the first time in like five years. Yeah, right, right. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Took my exams. I was like, you know what? I'm going. So I found the cheapest stick I could to Europe. Yeah. Like 200 bucks. Okay, okay. Nothing's no hotel rooms, yeah. nothing planned. I knew I was getting there, and I knew I was leaving. Man, that's a bold <laughs> move, by the way. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it was. Right? So I, I don't there. even know if I'd go to Myrtle Beach without a, a hotel I slept, room. I slept on a park bench one night. <laughs> God, <laughs> like, I slept in the lobbies. But I took the Bible, took the yeah. New Testament, and I took the Declaration of Independence, and I took the Constitution. Because even through law school, I never had to read those documents. Mm. Right? And, and you know, those documents are founded on the Bible, right? So I took the core of what the law is. And I took it. I was like, I'm going to read this during the 10 days I'm here. And while I was there, I was reading those documents. I go to a coffee shop and I sit there and read and I listen for people speaking English and I go over and say hello to them. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'd have a conversation with people speaking English and I read them. But while I was there, Lauren came into my head. I hadn't talked to her again for like five years. We went to wow. high school together. It wasn't until my last semester of law school. Right. So, and so I was like, huh. I got back. I called the number. It was her mom's number. <laughs> she said, Lauren's on Colorado. <laughs> and so during spring break of that last semester, I went out to see her. During the summer after school was over, I said, hey, I want to be with you. If you want to be with me, move back to South Carolina. Yeah. And she moved back in August. Man, it was just that easy. Now, how old were you when you made that reach out to the mother? Um, let's see. It would have been my uh, 24, 24 okay. years old. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was almost like a replay of high school. Hey, can Lauren yeah. talk? It was. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know whose number it was. I thought it was Lauren's number. <laughs> right, right, and her right. mom answers the phone. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Hello. Man, now you're hoping you made a good impression on mom <laughs> right, at some point. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah he, she's busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. wa- she's washing her hair. <laughs> I'll take a message. Yeah. No, that, that's funny stuff. Well, so we don't get too far away from it. I want to talk about your location. Yeah, sure. Talk about the expansion. I meet a lot sure. of people who are looking at what we call scaling up. Mm-hmm. You start a business. Usually you're at the center of that mm-hmm. business and, and you're doing a little marketing, a little accounting, mm-hmm. a little bit of sales, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And then you, you grow to a point where you maybe have bigger aspirations. You want to help more people, get them involved. Um, and now you open up a second location and a third location. Um, talk about the struggles of that. How did you get to the point that you were able to do that? Yeah, so you know, we started talking about the mergers. There aren't really mergers. These law firms are ones that just want to like come into the firm. Mm-hmm. Right? So they just want to bring their team and their building and everything they have into the firm. Yeah. Be, be part of the team that we have. And we have such a great team that it builds that learning, that builds that environment, and we love that. We always say it's going to be attitude over aptitude. Mm-hmm. Right? I can always teach you the law. I can't teach you to have a good attitude. Right, right. Right? And so so these different locations are just those of natural doing. Mm-hmm. I've never said I'm going to scale up or scale down. I said it's not mine. Right? I was put here with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. Mm-hmm. Before it's not mine in the, in the middle either. Okay. Right? So we start off with a... Small little space over the bank in Merle's Inlet. Because of our growth, we had to move. I mean, we were in the kitchen, like having offices in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. We went across the street to about 12 office space, ran out of room. We were going to build a building in Merle's Inlet, mm-hmm. but we found a building down in Polly's that could accommodate about 20 people. Sure. So we went ahead and bought that one. So everything's been a natural growth. So we got into that building of 20 people. Mm-hmm. Three years later, we're out of room. Wow. And so now we have to get a side place up in Surfside. And I had a couple of good attorneys that wanted to move to Columbia to be closer to family. Mm-hmm. And I had to say, do I want them to work remotely? Do I want them to be a part of the team or do I just want to let them go? And yeah. Let them go? yeah. And I thought it was worthwhile keeping them with us. So I rented out a space in Columbia for them to have a Columbia office. Okay. Right? Now we're running out of space again. Wow. Now we're out of space again. Full on Columbia branch. Full on Columbia branch. Okay. We're running out of space again. So we're going to build up a building in Merle's Inlet. In the meantime, I've had a law firm in Surfside call me. I had a law firm in Myrtle Beach call me. Mm. I had a law firm in Litchfield call me. All about just kind of come, just fitting right in. Why are they calling you? Like, what, is it someone about your company that's specifically happening, or is this a common thing that attorneys band no, it's together? Not common. A lot of times they want to merge together because yeah. so many attorneys think 
that the clients need them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an attorney. I went to school for this. Right, right. You need me. <laughs> right, right, right. And those are the ones that have the billboards. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the all, all, all sixes that they yell out all the time. <laughs> right? right? Right, right, right. The ones that are jokes that jump over cars, not the ones yes. that actually care about their clients, right? You know, the ones that care about their clients are going to be there in their community with them. They're going to be walking with them hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm requiring, you know, if you grab my car, it doesn't just say attorney or attorney at law or law firm. It says attorney and counselor. Because mm-hmm. so many people forget they're counselors. Yeah. Part of our job is to keep people out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Not, not, not once they get into trouble, get them out of trouble, but keep them out of trouble. It's kind of like that martial arts thing where they, they teach you, you know, hey, we're not coming in here learning how to beat people up. We're learning how to, to defuse situations and then protect right. yourself if needed. So this is kind of like what you're saying. Exactly right. So, yeah. you know, we're there supporting our community and our clients. And, and, and I hope, this is how I feel, I hope that everyone in my team feels like they can rely on us to be there for them no matter what the situation yeah. is. Yeah. Right? And there's not a lot of that in the corporate world. A lot of attorneys and law firms are competitive within themselves. Mm-hmm. We try to be collaborative. Yes, 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 yes. When I bring people in, I say, what is it you want? What's your goal? Where do you want to be? What's the field you enjoy? And then we'll try and match you up and get you that niche, right? So that way people go, that person's great at HOA work. Yeah. And a lot of HOA work in this area. Uh, HOA work, right? And so I have an attorney that does HOA work, right? And that's what they do. So they don't compete against the person doing car accidents. They don't compete against right. the person doing estate plan. They collaborate because those people in HOA now need business help. So the business attorney can help them. You, you know what's interesting about this? And, and there's so many great topics coming from this. I, I think about co- competitiveness within a business. You mm-hmm. know, some, some businesses think, well, I'm going to create competition within the business and, and then therefore people will compete against each other and step up to the top. And I feel like that's very short-sighted thinking because when you're competitive, what that means is you're going to have one winner and you have one loser. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one wants to be a loser. It, exactly. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's not even just one loser. Usually it's one winner and a whole bunch of losers mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be a loser. Mm-hmm. It's demoralizing. It doesn't increase your ability to feel self-worth and therefore become your best mm-hmm. self. So you talk about it. You're, you're saying, look, I'm not going to create these direct competitions per se, but rather let's make sure that we put people in the best seats and let them win at that. Let them do what they're good at and what they want to do. Right. Right. In a, in a law firm, when you hopefully have a business of any kind, not even a law firm, everybody has their job to do. And if one person fails in their job, only from answering the phone, right, that very first call at the front desk, mm-hmm. if they don't answer the phone, that person in the back can't disperse any money because there's no money coming in. Right. right so right. from the very beginning to the very end, there's a job to be done. We want to support that entire chain, that entire job, and give them the tools they need to be as efficient as possible mm-hmm. in the job. Also, incentivizing them personally to do that kind of work. Okay. Right? And so, so we try to build a collaborative team where we all rely on each other and we realize that, look, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then John can't do what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So every night, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I came into town last night at 2 a.m. Yeah. I was down in Florida with my family, and I came back at 2 a.m. Had a meeting this morning at about 6, man, 6.45 Thanks for being on the show, man. Right? I didn't know the 2 a.m. thing. But <laughs> but I had emails to check. Yeah, yeah. Right. If I didn't get my emails checked, even though it was 2 a.m., my team couldn't be doing the work they needed from those emails because they weren't checked. You, you would not be setting them right? up for success. Right. So now they're sitting around waiting on me to do my job. Right. And so that's the mentality of a team is, is that everyone knows that if they don't do their job, they're letting their other team members down. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a competition. It's a collaboration because they also know that if they need help, those team members will be there. Yeah. And I've, many times I say this, I say, look, during the day, I'm here for you. Yeah, day, yeah. I'm serving you as an attorney. I'm serving you as a paralegal. I'm serving you as a community. I'm serving my networking groups. I'm helping Michelle with her branding. Right. Mm-hmm. At night, from five to eight, I go see my family. That's my family time. I serve them, my wife and my kids. And yeah. then eight till one. I go back and I serve myself and I take care of my clients, mm-hmm. take care of my list, take care of what I need to do. That's serving me. And I'll go to the gym and just work out. Relax. That's my time from eight to one at nice. night. Right. And so that's my normal schedule. So, you know, one till give or take six, maybe seven if I'm lucky. 
I sleep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Right. That maximum three to four hours. But, right. But either I sacrifice my team. Yeah. I sacrifice my family. I sacrifice my community and my clients, or I sacrifice some of myself. So, right. So I made the choice as a leader that I need to sacrifice some of myself, not the people that help me. And this gets back into that work ethic that we're talking about. And I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of diving into that with you a little bit. Before we get away from what you just said, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of these concepts that you mentioned a second ago. We talked about putting people in the best seats and letting them compete. Let's go back to that expansion, the ethics, um, the ethics of everything that we're talking about, the work ethic. But when you let the people go to Columbia and you're still basically located in, let's say, the Myrtle Beach area for all intents and purposes, how did you make sure that their work ethic was going to be there when they're not actually on site? The, the truth is, is that I have to trust my team to mm -hmm. do their job, mm -hmm. right? And if they don't do their job, they're going to find out themselves that they're failing. Yeah. Right. And, and so I don't give people an opportunity to do something if I don't trust them to do it. Right. Right. You shouldn't hire somebody if you don't trust them. Yeah. Like why are you hiring somebody and then trying to micromanage who they are? Very good. Right. And so you got to trust them, let them do their job. And if they fail, they'll know. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Like, and I'll talk to them. Like, my job's more to motivate them to do better, to get them where they want to be. And, and that's the thing. So many leaders think they're very important. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, right. I'm Tom. It's my firm. Do what I tell you to do. But the way I do things is not the way you do things. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I love networking. Like, I, I love going out and being a part of the community and doing things. Other people don't. Like, mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert. Some people are introverts, right? Sure. So I need to embrace what makes us different and then try to enhance each person's own set of skills, mm -hmm. right? And so some people are good extroverts. They need an introvert that couples with them. Some people are good at drafting documents. Some people aren't good at drafting documents. So what I need to do is find out what their strengths are and pair them up with people that have those weaknesses. Right, right? exactly. The, they make the best so team. They make the best team, right? Instead yeah. of having two people that are exactly the same and there's this weak part just being not being paid attention to, no one's doing anything about it. I got the people that can take care of the entire situation by having different aspects and different personalities mixed together. I love that. You, do you know what the most popular cookie in America is? Oh man, I know popular cookie I want. I want a sugar cookie, but chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I'm going chocolate chip cookie. We're going into our cookie segment of the show. Um, the most popular cookie in the country is Oreo cookies. Oreo it's cookie. the best there you seller. Go. Makes sense. There you go. And, and I'm going to use that as, a, as an example. If you just took an Oreo cookie, which of course famously you have your two chocolate and you have a little vanilla mm -hmm. cream in the middle. Um, if you just took any one cookie. of those components and you're just eating those, it wouldn't make it the best mm -hmm. cookie in America. Well, you put them together with their two individual flavors, mm -hmm. it becomes the best seller. So always remember that well, when you're you on team. So yeah. My wife, Lauren, and I, she loves the chocolate cookie. I love the white cream. So, you know, we're perfect together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you, you take the white cream she, she out does. and you just she, eat it. Take the, so here's your white cream and she'll eat the cookie. I'll eat <laughs> the chocolate, I'll eat the white cream. I've heard of the people taking the, the, the one apart and then making a super oh, Oreo. I've done that. Have you done this like, before? So my kids like the chocolate cookies too. So right, they right. all give me the white cream. So my Oreos are like this thick. Oh, right. <laughs> That's why I'm so well-rounded. <laughs> He's a well-rounded individual. Hey, man. I see you've been working out at 1 a.m. though. So that's all good. So talking about your, you know, you let these people go out and you trust them. And I think trust is a great part of any good relationship, whether that's work or personal. Again, mm -hmm. um, personalities, uh, you want to get the right people in the right spots. Tell me what you've done in the past with any kind of personality assessments. I mean, is that a prerequisite for coming to your company? Is it something you do later on? Uh, give me, give me a little idea of how you're putting people together. Sure. So, you know, one of the biggest things I, th I feel as a manager, right, as a leader, is our job to actually take care of the people, mm -hmm. right? If you take care of the people, they'll take care of the business, right? Right. And, and so we have to give them the proper tools and that's almost matching up with people. And mm -hmm. we failed a number of times, right? I failed a number of times with who people have been matched up with, but we've done 
the disk assessments. Oh, yeah. Uh, what we find, I find more appropriate is just actually having gatherings mm-hmm. and, and, and having team events, uh, team activities, opportunities for the team to come together and show their true colors with mm-hmm. each other. And you can always tell those that kind of want to be there and ones that don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Right? If you don't want to be there, you don't consider yourself part of the team. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no, part, no person on a team that doesn't want to be a part of the team. Wow. You might be an observer. You might be working there. You might be a part of it, but you're not in it. You know what's interesting about that, Tom? It's that sometimes, and we all have to recognize this as great leaders, like you said, you have to know what makes people tick. Some people, the social aspect is a lot less attractive than other people, right? Some people are downright introverted, and so it's not really natural to get out and go do a team-building event. And yet, however, some force themselves to do it, even if it's outside of their comfort uh, zone, and other people say, I'm not really into all that, so I'm just going to go home. You can kind of tell what what that means for the overall team-building. 100%. Yeah. impacts other people, right? To get to know each other on a personal level mm-hmm. is different than getting to know each other as a business partner. Very right? much, right. So, you know, earlier this year, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary by going on a cruise as a firm, mm-hmm. right? So instead of going on a Christmas, you know, party for, you know, one night, yeah. we, we went on a cruise. Wow. And so it allowed us to have four days. And the rule for the cruise is this. We're going to have two one-hour segments to talk business. Okay. Right? That's that's the retreat. We're going to talk two, two one-hour segments. The other four days are yours. Hmm. Do what you want to do with them. Okay. Right? So I'm paying for you to do this. So everybody should want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a free cruise, right? And so not everybody wanted to go. Some people did and some didn't want yeah. to. Um, those that did go, did they hang out with their team? Did they socialize? Mm-hmm. Or did they just go to their room right. and hang out by themselves? Right. right. And so you can see how people respond to different situations by putting them in those situations. Mm-hmm. right? And again, you're 100% right. Some people are very introverted versus extroverted, social versus not. Some Honestly, sometimes I don't even feel like being social. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you never know what's going on with someone else, but you have to be appreciative of their willingness to be a part of that team. Right. I, I agree completely. When we talk about leadership, I think leadership doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're just always in charge. I think it's a way of being. So in my, in my brand of leadership, I, I call it the leader mentality. It, it, it comes down to how do I approach the day? Do I make others better or worse by being around me? Mm-hmm. And what is my mentality with which, how I approach everything? And so I feel like for that person that's out there and they're thinking, I just, you know, I'm not into that. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going, well, that's, that's already not showing leadership traits. And it's not about being in charge or not. It's about the way you approach it. Uh, I saw something I thought you might like the other day, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it a little bit because I'm paraphrasing, but um, they, they showed that there was a correlation within the brain of doing things you don't want to do mm-hmm. and this part of your brain growing bigger. Mm-hmm. And this part of the brain is also kind of in control of things like your overall morale level, mm-hmm. your overall anxiety or lack thereof mm-hmm. anxiety. And it's based on doing things you don't want to do. So mm-hmm. if we were to go out and say, let's go on a 10-mile run right now, Maybe I don't want to do it, but that's the thing that makes that part of the brain grow bigger. On the same token, if I love going out and watching a a three-hour documentary, well, I love doing it. My brain, that part of your brain actually starts shrinking down a little bit. So life becomes about experiencing new things. You're not not challenging yourself. Exactly. And what what I love... Again, going back to the team concept, so many people in the law firm, we talk about being competitive, right? Yeah. So when you're competitive, you don't want to help somebody else get ahead. Correct. Right? Correct. But when you're collaborating, you do because you grow and you, you know, rise and ship concept, right? So if someone, the front desk is empty, do people step up and answer the phone? Uh-huh. Or do they just let it sit empty? Yeah, because that's not my job that's responsibility. Not my job, right? They're, they're oh, right. We need some toilet paper in the bathroom. Not my job. Or, you know what? Let me go get that for you. Mm-hmm. Right? You can learn a lot about someone. And what their priorities are, 
if it's not your job, it's about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're willing to do it, even though even though it's not your job, it's about the team. Man, that's right? powerful stuff, right? Yeah. So, so what are you willing to do? Get out of your comfort zone, so that you help each other succeed, right? And this, I always tell my kids, look, if I only care about myself, that's fine. I can take 100 percent and always give myself 100 mm-hmm. percent. I'm not going to give no percent to anyone else, just 100 percent to myself. Or I give my 100 percent to everybody else, and they all give me back their 100 percent also. Yeah. Wow. How much more do I get back than I have to give if I'm only giving out 100? To how many people? Man. But if I keep my 100% to myself, I don't get anything back. Yeah. No, it's, it's an investment in everybody else. And that's where the relationships come in, right? Yeah. When you have businesses, and that's the one thing they don't teach you, no matter what school, <laughs> elementary, middle, high, uh, college, law school, you know, I have an LLM, I have a degree above a JD in law school, sure. right? So I've been in school for 20 years. Nowhere did it say you actually have to have clients and customers to serve. Right, right, right. I can, I can know the entire library of information. And still have no clients, and it means I'm nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Or I could have a thousand clients and know nothing, and I'm still actually able to do something because I hire people that know something. And, and, and you could <laughs> right. be the best tactical manager in the history of the world, but if you got nobody to manage, so it doesn't it's matter. It's all about right. relationships. And yeah. so it's relationships with the people you serve, people that serve with you, and the people that you work with, you know, your resources, and serve them. Nice. Right? So it's all relationships. And that's where the networking and branding comes in. We never say we're advertising. We never say we're marketing. We're branding. You, you, now, let, let's go there. Networking. People know you know that you do a ton of networking. Uh, how, how, how many networking events do you get to a week, you personally? So what I do is I try to get every networking event I can on my schedule. Okay. And if I have work I have to do, I can't go to it. Sure. But if I don't have work I have to do, I go to it. Right. Right. So on average, five to six. Nice. Week, right? Nice. Every every morning I wake up at six forty-five, and normally there's a networking thing in the morning, and sometimes you know every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I have one, and then sometimes at night too. But but it's a part of my job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'll bring my family with me and stuff too, because I'm cultivating those relationships. Mm-hmm. In my line of work, it's not, I'm not I'm not selling them a product. Right. They don't need a T-shirt right now. But they might need an attorney five years from now. Exactly. Right. And so I'm passing on cards constantly. I'm talking to people constantly. I put out a blog. Um, you know, we do all these different kinds of things, radio show, because I want them to think, hey, if I need an attorney, I trust him. You know what's interesting about that? I, I think that a lot of people who do networking join an association. You know, maybe you join the Chamber of Commerce locally mm-hmm. or your Better Business uh, Bureau or whatever mm-hmm. you happen to be joining. They go to it a few times. They don't commit to the, uh, the process, and they never get anything out of it. And, and I actually just talked to I'm, – I'm the president of the State of South Carolina Home Builders Association. And I was just talking to the group yesterday about why we do what we do. And I said, mm-hmm. if you get into this thinking, I'm going to get a whole bunch of leads off of this. I said, you've, you've already started off with a unrealistic expectation. The process comes through year after year of building that consistency. But to your point, when somebody's ready and they need an attorney – they go, Thomas Winslow. I've been seeing them day after day for so long. When somebody's looking for somebody to build their home or whatever right. it is, you want to be the person that comes to their mind first. And it's not immediate reward. That's it right. comes over a period. Well, it's that relationship, right? Like, it, 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 I always call it courting. Yeah. It's courting. Like, you know, when, uh, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, when I had my wife, it took me a little while to get her, right? Like, I didn't, I knew her when she was 14. We were best friends in high school. Yeah, I knew yeah. when she was 14. We didn't get married until we were 26. Yeah. Right? So I somewhat courted her that entire time period. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. You're courting your potential clients. You're That's right. You're courting your community. You're saying, I'm here to serve you. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm available to you. You can trust me, right? I mean, where do attorneys rank on the trust scale, right? Not very yeah. high, right? <laughs> right? So, so, so they know I'm here. I'm here consistently. I'm in the community. And so they say, you know what? 
I know this guy five years ago. It's about building trust. Right? And yeah. so it's those relationships. Yeah. Right. And even if they don't, they don't personally work with me, they have family, they have friends, they have clients that they know they can call me and just talk to me about it. it uh, so a lot of the underlying concept here is we talk about trust and business. And sometimes I'm talking to people, you know, and, and take home building, contracting, whatever. There's a lot of really pretty decent contractors out there that, you know, they, they're like, well, I got low overhead. I don't need an office. You know, I'm saving money for people. And I always say to them, like, look, the trust for people to go with you comes from your office. And it mm -hmm. comes from maybe that billboard if you have one. Maybe it comes from having that vehicle with the um, actual logos on it. Maybe it comes from a business card. The trust is what does everything for you. And, and, and those little things build to it. But, you know, to a point, it's also how you do it, right? Mm -hmm. you know, and I can take the law firm. Instance, <laughs> right. Right? Look at their billboards. Sure, sure, you sure. trust those people? Right, right, right. Just because, and that's why we don't, like I said, we don't market, we don't advertise, we brand. Mm -hmm. Everything we do, and the difference is this, when you market and you advertise, it's about that moment and it's about selling. That's what market advertising is. It's about selling your product. When it's about branding, you're branding who you are as a person. What is your brand? Everything you do. You know what our brand wants to be? That of approachable and professional. Approachable and professional. Right. Yeah. You know, we want you to say, man, I can go talk to them like a normal person. They're not suck up snob attorneys like a lot of attorneys are out in the yeah. world, right? But I know when I go hire them, they're going to be professional. They're going to get the job done. Nice. Right? Nice. I like that. And, and, so, and so we brand. We want to brand that. And I tell my team, look, when you're out in the community, I don't care where you are. I don't care if it's at midnight or if you're at court. You're, you're the brand. Like, I'm hiring you in here to be part of this brand. Yeah. Right? If you can't be approachable and professional, then this isn't the place. Man. How long? When did you come to the determination that that's what your brand was? Was yeah. it year one? You know what's funny is, you know, at year one, right? So I've been practicing law for 20 years now. At year one of having a law firm, I knew nothing about networking. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about branding. I knew nothing about business. I never wanted to own a law firm. I was content being an attorney for somebody else. Yeah. My dad never owned his own business. No one in my family ever owned his own business. Had no knowledge about it, right? I was forced into it. That's what I'm saying. Everything good in my life has come from something I didn't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. <laughs> if I hadn't been fired, right, I could either go on food stamps and unemployment or I could get a, go ahead and create a law firm for my wife yeah. and, and hopefully prosper. And I might have failed, but hopefully prosper. Sure, right? sure, sure. And so I, I didn't know anything about it. So I had to learn how to run a business. I had to learn how to brand. I had to learn how to just be a person and create relationships. Mm -hmm. I never had to do that. I was just getting a paycheck. I, I mean, you're just getting a paycheck. You don't yeah. worry about that stuff, right? And so, so as I grew and I kind of matured, I went from wanting every single case, right? Because we started off, all I wanted was one case in and one case out a month. Mm -hmm. We're now averaging eight cases in a day. Wow. That's right? impressive. Right? Okay. In 10 years, right? And so you can see the growth pattern that's changed. We went from having you know, two, two employees to having 20. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so we slowly grow with it. And with that come the change in concepts, right? What's the vision? What's the mission? And, and when I look around at, at law firms and what they're doing, I've always wanted to do it different. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's where, that's where that concept of approachable and professional is. Because when I look at a billboard and people yelling at people, I can't say that's professional. Right, right. And I don't really know if I want someone yelling at me if they're my attorney. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I want a relationship with this person for, because an attorney can be a long-term relationship. You're not coming into my store buying a shirt and leaving town. You can be with me for 30, 40 years. And we do. We have clients that have been with us for 10 years from the very beginning. And part of that is because the way the firm is created, mm -hmm. right? Where the, I want to be the antithesis of what is out there. I want to go back to the old school. We want to be the community law firm, but not in the fact that I do everything, but we have a firm that has people in there that have those niches, right? Yeah. So a lot of law firms are one person tries to do it all or that law firm only does one thing. Mm -hmm. So we have a law firm that does it all, but one attorney in there that does a, a thing. So we have a family law attorney and department, right? Business, 
estate planning, criminal, civil, right? On and on. So each attorney has a focus. So we have clients that work with four or five attorneys in our firm. Within. So they know that they get like a holistic approach to their law needs. And you would say that they're still getting a similar level of treatment from every attorney. And that's what your culture right? is. That's the culture, right? All right, cool. That's the virtual professional, right? And so it's different, right? You know, a lot of law firms, like I said, are focused on the money in themselves. That's not who we want to be. A lot of law firms are focused on one thing or everything. That's not mm-hmm. who we want to be. We don't want to go out there and yell at you about hiring us. We want you to hire us naturally. Yeah, if you don't want to yeah. work with us, don't work with us. If I had 1% of Myrtle Beach come to work with me, I'd have way too much work. Well, it, it, interesting concepts. And I think some some attorneys or law firms have chosen to take the fear, the fear element. Fear like, element. oh, you 100%. need to do this or, or something. Mm-hmm. And you're choosing a different way, which is part of your culture which is who you are. And I think that goes back to your scaling. And and I've said this a lot of times. I think that when you first start a business, when Thomas Winslow went off on his own, and technically, I guess you start a partnership when you first went off, but you you went into it and you said, you know, who am I? What do I believe? That is your culture. And it's only you. And now as part of your leadership strategy, you're passing your culture on to everybody. becomes very important. You're hiring the right types, right? And the thing is, I've I've learned it takes two years, truly two years for someone to figure out who they are. Yeah. And it sounds crazy. my clients need help, mm-hmm. but so do my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of my coworkers are individuals who don't have the support that we want to give them now. Mm-hmm. Right, so they come in with a wall up, right, trying to protect themselves yeah, yeah. instead of just being a part of the team. Right, they come in not having the knowledge. They come in not knowing how to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Right, they they come in with problems at their home life, maybe it was with their parents or their families, and they have to learn how to become a professional. Mm-hmm. They have to learn how. To, but it's all about the attitude. Are you willing to learn it? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're willing to learn it, we can teach it to you. It's, it's going to take a it's that attitude it's over a, aptitude, it's a like you said. Two-year process, right? yeah. And so that means I have to invest in them for two years, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's frustrating for a lot of my team members because they're like, they're not doing what they should be doing, and I have to go. That's true, but we were here for you when you need help, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. right? Can we be there for them as well, right? And, and that's part of our job to help our. I want our coworkers to succeed in their life too, right? So when we do our branding, I know I have my introverts, I have my extroverts, right? Extroverts love going to the parties. I'm like, here's here's all the networking stuff going on. You all can come out to it. And I've got three or four that will. Yeah. Right? I know some are not going to. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I published three books, right? So I said, hey, why don't we publish a book if you want to publish a book? Okay. I have resources. Hey, you want to come on the radio with me? No one will see you. It's just your voice. Right? So I want to give them opportunities to grow in their own branding. Right? Mm-hmm. How do they grow their own style? And that's embracing that diversity. Yeah. Right? How do I help my team become efficient in who they are, not who I might want them to be? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I can't change your personality and I can't change your attitude. We can change how we go about branding you and your aptitude. I, d- I dig that a lot. And, and it's, it's a great thing because you, you have to start with the right people, but then you have to help kind of build them to where they're going to be. Before we jump to another subject, I want to jump into something really quick. If you could just, you talked about your biblical upbringing and your beliefs. Um, tell me something that it could be a book in the Bible. If you want it, it could be a story in the Bible, but is there something that you would say is a great lesson that you learn from the Bible that you apply to your day-to-day work? So just so you know, I did not get baptized. Until I was 25 years old. All right. My parents, um, Stopped going to church when I was about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up with a knowledge of Christ, but not of Christ in me, mm-hmm. right? I was about 25 years old. Um, my wife, my wife was the exact opposite of me, right? She, her dad was a church organist, right? She was always going to church. Yeah. And so um, I got her a job at Prince George down in Georgetown, the largest church down there, to work with them. And I started going with her on a regular basis. I got baptized. And that's where we got married, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm still learning the Bible. I'm actually right now, every Monday night, I'm taking an associate's degree in theology. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm earning a college degree in nice. theology because um, there's always this learning opportunity. And so, so to me, the Bible is full of opportunities to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and there are lessons. If you look at, you know, 
Harry Potter, you look at all these different stories, they're all lessons that come directly from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? And you can always go with you know, the Good Samaritan and different stories and parables that are in there. To me, it's, it's the example that Christ set. And this is what I love about Christ's example, is that he never came to earth to serve himself. Mm-hmm. All right? It, it, we're all made in his image. And if he didn't come here to serve himself, but he came here to serve others, mm-hmm. serve others to the point that he died serving others. Sure, right? sure. Why are we not willing to sacrifice ourselves to serve others if we are Christ-like? Mm-hmm. Right? So when we wake up and, and it's, you know, <laughs> we get four hours of sleep and we look at the clock and it's 6.30 and we know we got to be somewhere at 7.30, do we hit the snooze button or do we get out of bed excited that we woke up that day? Mm-hmm. Right? What is it that we can do without him? Nothing. So why do we stress out about stuff that we can't control? We didn't create the car accident. We didn't create the death. We didn't create whatever. And we don't know the purpose behind it. So stop stressing about stuff you can't control and look for the solution to it. Mm. At the firm, no one walks into no one walks into a business because they want to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want you to give me a problem. No one does that. They want a solution. So when you focus on a problem, right? Hey, you got a problem. The fear factor, right? For you got a problem. You're gonna, then all you're doing is you're driving the problem. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about the problem, why don't we focus on the solution? Right, right. And, and find the resolution to that problem. Right? Let's focus on the solution instead of the problem. Put the problem to the side. Live your life. Let's find the solution on the legal side. You can almost com- you can compartmentalize people into people who dwell on the problem and people who look at the solution. And that's attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, and I said this actually earlier this week. I said life happens while other people whine. Mm-hmm. Right? And so to me, success happens while other people sleep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Right? I like it. So you whine all you want. I'm going to live the life and I'm going to keep pushing forward. Man, that's... you sleep all you want, I'm going to go get successful while you sleep. That's a beautiful thing. And you you made me think about two things that were really cool there. Uh, One of them was... People... Success of what happens while the rest of the world is sleeping, right? Um, I heard... Kobe Bryant. Everybody mm-hmm. knows I always talk about the mentality thing, but he talked about how he would he would get up and start his days at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and he was always working that extra two or three hours mm-hmm. a day before everybody woke up. And his logic was, he said, "Look, I'm that far ahead of everybody else. Right. If I do two hours a day more than everybody else, that's 14 hours a day. Right. You start doing the math and it, or, or a week." He said, "You start doing the math and you find out that this is thousands of hours." And he goes, "Even if you come in and you start working really hard, I've already got all that jump on you." What's the power? You know, everything about you know the power of compound interest, right? Sure. And you always equate that to finances and money. Yeah. It applies to time also. Yeah. Right. If I'm working literally, if I'm working at say seven a.m. because I get about six forty-five, so mm-hmm. let's say seven a.m. And, and I take three hours off for my family, but I'm working again until one. Mm-hmm. So I'm working a give or take sixteen-hour day. Sure. Every day, including Saturday and Sundays. So my sixteen hours a day in one week, I'll work basically what you'll work in a month. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so by the time you get done with your year, I've already done three years. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Right? So I'm yeah. two years ahead of you. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he was like, "I'm not smart. Like it, this has nothing to do with brains. Like anyone can do it. They just have to wake up and get out of bed and just put the work out again. Instead of whining about it. Yeah. I don't have a job or my car's not. Then start to walk. You you, you got, got walk, that option. Right? You got that. You got the option. Yeah. You've got to make the choices. No one can make it for you. And the problem we have nowadays is some people are willing to just allow people to do that mm-hmm. and not work. They want to give them stuff for free. They don't make them accountable for it. Make it work starts off at the bottom. You, you don't start off at the top. Mm. So you got to work your way up, right? And once you get to the top, right? Once you get to the top of the business, guess where you are? You're serving the bottom. It, absolutely. Right? It's not a line. It's a circle. You're at the bottom. It goes around to the top, who's underneath the bottom. And you keep going around and around, round and around. 
because all you're doing is serving. Well, you know what's interesting? I, I, it's part of my leadership principle. I really believe that you can exhibit leadership from any organi- mm-hmm. level of organization, but our goals as decision makers, and you notice I don't use the word managers. I'm talking about decision makers. Mm-hmm. I, I compartmentalize two things. Sometimes people say, oh, the, the, the manager's leader. And I say, well, you hope so. You hope they're the mm-hmm. best leader, but truthfully, they're the decision maker. They're the ones who have to make the call on who's going to work tomorrow, who's going to take that case, who's going to do, that's your decision maker. Your leaders are, it's a different thing. It's it's a characteristic of your humanity, but your best leaders, you hope, are at the top. And then they're spreading it down throughout the organization so that that guy who's at the bottom, I always use the bus boy at the restaurant. He's the one who, or she is the one who you're sitting at your table. You haven't been served for a few minutes. They take the time to say, hey, has anybody helped you guys yet? That's leadership. Mm-hmm. And it can start at the very bottom. And that's the one I'm hoping the one with the best leadership will ultimately end up being my manager one day. The one that's the leader is the one that's willing to serve the most. Yes, 100%. Right. 100%. And you, you have to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You sleep less. Yeah. <laughs> you, you eat last. You 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 are there to serve everyone around you before you serve yourself. And you're less self-interested. You have to be interested in others. Okay, very cool, man. We can go on for this for a long time. There's one other thing I want to hit before we move on. Sometimes when I'm talking to people, and and look, everybody has their own beliefs. I'm respectful of people's beliefs, but I will say that there's a lot of knowledge in, in the Bible. And sometimes I'll just talk like this. I'll say, look, that's biblical. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I try to get people to stuck in their own way. I don't mm-hmm. want people to get stuck and go, well, I don't, you know. It's like, hey, you will come to your belief of whatever it is in time. But I'll tell you, there's some great lessons in that book, just like you said. And, I, and I'm going to use the King David version. And the reason I use the King David version is he's one of the people who, if you look biblically, is held in the higher echelon of people in the biblical stories. But the thing is, is that if you follow his life... And, he wasn't and perfect, was he? He was not a perfect man. And he had quite a few you know, setbacks, if you will, made some bad judgment calls, mm-hmm. if you will. But he came through. And the story that we remember mm-hmm. is not about the failures. Mm-hmm. It, it, we'll remember the failure story in that case, but it's... It's not the way that we look at him. It's not the way we look at our great presidents in U.S. history. Some great presidents had some bad endings, but we look back at what the overall body of work was. So don't let any one thing define you. Well, yeah. Always step up. All the, all the disciples, you know, Peter, you know, anywhere you look, there's no perfect person. Right. Period. And, and so when you view someone, you hold them to a, a standard of perfection. Mm-hmm. Understand that you're being held to the standard of perfection as well. There you go. Okay. Or choose to invest in them mm-hmm. to drive them towards it. And I tell my team, I don't expect perfection. I, I just expect the pursuit of perfection. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and so I don't care if you, you're never going to get perfect, but I do care that you actually do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do care that you do your best. Exactly. I do care that you show up, that you look the part, right? All I want you to do is to, to pursue it. You don't have to get there. You'll never get there, but pursue it. It, it was. I, have you read the book, uh, Right of a Lifetime? I've not. Uh, okay. Well, th- there's that exact phrase in there. I think uh, one of the phrases that Bob Iger talked about is he said, you should always be in the pursuit of perfection, but the, the underlining P is pursuit, not perfection. Because right. we know we can't get there, but if you're pursuing that, you're always on That's the right, right track. 100% right. Cool stuff. Are you, by the way, speaking of books, you got any, any books that you're uh, diving into right now? So every every Tuesday, we have kind of in Myrtle Beach, a meetup for business leaders, um, as a book club, study club. It's at 7.30 at Go-Givers every Tuesday. Yeah. And we read the Go-Giver series, right? Okay. And what we do is we go through one chapter at a time. And so we're kind of getting into books now. Yeah. About to start the Atomic Habit book. Okay, yeah. Right? And read that one. Going through all these different yeah. kind of fulfilling books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a law nerd, right? So I love the cryptographer. I love like the Da Vinci Code. I love all this kind of, you know, those uh, fun 
Lighthearted legal books. And you still got to think, you know, you can't right. like, yeah, right, right, right. I got you. Twilight, you, you're a big reader of Twilight? My uh, my wife likes Twilight. <laughs> I, I actually well, read my the daughter, series. My book. daughter loves Harry Potter. We just went to Universal Studios to see the Harry Potter oh, world. Such a good one. loved it. Man, I'll tell you what, you know, it, when you went down there, okay, so again, sometimes we got to jump off script a little. You went down to Universal Studios yep. and Islands of Adventure, yep, right? That's right. What, what was your favorite two rides? Oh, man. Um, Hagar's the motorbike ride. Oh, so good. And the Velociraptor. Yeah. Right? Oh, the, Goes are... 70 miles per hour. Yes. Right? And so, yeah, we literally just got back this morning at 2 a.m. And, and we had a networking thing, you know, today. So yeah, yeah. I got up at 6.30, you know, four and a half hours of sleep. Off I go, right? And so, you know, it's just what you do. It's just so much fun, though. But you got to spend, you got to give your family that time. You, the family is part of your responsibility. You, you can't know, let that down. I got a 10 7-year-old, right? I got to be there for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that, that's a powerful note. So we talked about a lot of great things today. We didn't even get into ROTC. I'm a fellow <laughs> ROTC nerd. And, uh, yeah, color yeah. guard commander and all that stuff. Um, I'm in the state guard right now. Really? W. Jag right all now. Right. Yeah, nice, all right. Nice, man. Well, well yeah, hey, we're right. going to have to talk about that one a little bit more, but uh, for, for a part two of the show, of course. So uh, we can <laughs> or go three, deep, or three or four. Or three or four. <laughs> or part of our series with Tom Winslow. Uh, no, but let's get to where we started at the beginning. We talked about work ethic and how that's really mm-hmm. helped to make you mm-hmm. successful at what you do. Um, let's go through some of your tips on work ethic of, of how somebody that's out there looking and listening and wants to be their best self. Talk about how work ethic um, is cultivated in your world. So for me, work ethic is this. It's the mentality that I'm here to serve and not be served, Mm -hmm. right? It starts with sacrifice. If you start work ethic with thinking they need to serve me, you'll never have ethic, right? So you got to serve others. So set a schedule, Mm -hmm. right? And and you're never going to follow the schedule. It's never going to be perfect. But, you know, get up and get out of bed. Decide what you're going to do. For me, you know, again, get up at 645, normally until 839, I'm networking, Mm -hmm. right? I'm meeting with people. I'm talking to people. I go to the office. I got 20 people to support. I got three different offices, right? I got those people to support. Be there for the business side and be there for them. And, and if there's events or lunches, I go talk to them, mm-hmm. right? Then I have to reserve time from five to eight for my family. Like they deserve as much of me as, as anyone else does, right? So I have to give that time to them. And that's my family time from eight to nine ish, normally with my wife, just her and me having a moment together. Mm-hmm. Her love language is time. I have to give her some time, which is the least. One thing I don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from 9 to 12, 1231, I'm back at the office. That's when I'm serving my clients. I'm serving myself. I'm taking care of the paperwork I need to do for my own cases, mm-hmm. right? And then again, 12, 1231, I'm going to the gym for myself. So that way I can actually take care of myself a little bit physically. Mm-hmm. And you know, mentally, it allows me just to de-stress. A lot of times I put earplugs in, no music or anything on. It's just pure silence. But right. everybody thinks I'm listening to something so they're talking to me, right? Sure, sure, sure. And so I, I work out. You know, I get a shower. I get get cleaned up. Sometimes I shave. Sometimes I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> right. At one o'clock, I get, go get in bed. One thirty, I get in bed, get up at six 30 again the next day. So, so you're sleeping three, four hours a night. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah four or five. Yeah. Good deal. I mean, that, that does it ever catch up with you? Do you ever have a day after you've gone, you've been going hard for like two months and you're just, Oh, it I all want hit to. Me. I yeah. want to. I'm like, I'm going to sleep in. And then I wake up at like seven and I'm like, what the? Yeah. Yeah. I slept in for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And it feels weird that 15 minutes. I, I'll tell you, and, and people who listen to the show, I've, I've said this story a couple of times, but I'm going to say it again because I believe in this. It's the time I least feel like working out that I know yeah. I most need to work out. Right. Last night was one of them. I've had a, a just a crazy busy couple of months here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, some people would say you're always busy. But as I was going home, I thought, you know, tonight's the night. I'm just going to go home. I'm going to put it, you know, I'm going to have some dinner. I'll just, you know, lay in bed and watch something. And I told my wife, I said, no, I got to work out. I've, I've got to get it going. See, but you and I work out for different reasons. Yep. I work out for the, the physical and the mental, but also so I can eat whatever the heck I want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I have the workout part down. Oh, boy. The diet part, 
That's just so I can eat all my sugar cookies that I want. What, 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 is, is, it, is it the sugar cookies? What's your, what's your uh, sugar, man. cheat thing? I love oh, sugar. Man. Just any kind of sugar. Man, I should have had like a little sugar bag I over here for you. I drink coffee so I can put sugar into it. Uh, well, you know what? You would have loved it. I had an episode uh, uh, about five or six episodes ago. I had like a, a personal nutrition person. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, sugar's your enemy, buddy. Yeah, 100%, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my wife is beautiful. She loves her salt. Right, right. Do my sugar yep, yep, all yep. day long. No, fair enough. Well, you know, there's that. Now, now on the, the work ethic thing, I, I think there's an interesting thing you said. And, and sometimes I start off this show asking you, how do you get to all these things? And I hear this from, uh, to me a lot. They'll say, well, you're, you're doing a show, you're running a business, you, you're the state president for the home builders. How do you do it all? And it comes down to, you just got to stretch your days. We all are gifted with 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How are you going to use that? I just happen to use mine like, like that. My dad told me when I was a kid, he was like, if you want to be successful, just work half a day. Yeah. You get to figure out which 12 hours you want to work. Right, right. right? And, that, and that's the mentality. And that's why it's about attitude. Do you want it? That's it. If you say yes, then you're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Yeah. If you say no, accept the consequences. If I work twice as much as you, I should have twice as much as you. Interesting. Interesting right? point. Yeah. You get to make the choice. It, we all have the same amount of time. I'm not smarter than anybody. I'm just willing to work more. Mm. I mean, it's just the truth. Are you willing to sleep four to five hours a night? Right? Elon Musk used to take his dates to the office so he could talk to them while he was working. Now, I don't know how that would work, <laughs> but that's the mentality. Like, yeah. where, where is your passion? Do you want to be successful? Is that your passion? Yeah. Do you want to watch a TV show? Is that your passion? Exactly. Which one do you want? You'll make time for what's important to right? you. That's you for sure. You choice. Let me ask you this. So when you're, because you're still a human being. You still need to lift me uh, up. That's how you ask. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you have not evolved to Sometimes. deity status yet. So, so, back, so back in college, the nickname was Tom Ass. <laughs> so not everyone thought I was that great. <laughs> Oh, love it. Hey, we're with Tom Ass Winslow from, no, no, um, it is, it, when you have that day though, and believe me, unless you are some kind of superhuman guy, you get that day where you're struggling. Yep. Maybe, maybe you've had a couple of, of mm-hmm. hits that you weren't expecting 100%. and you need to pick me up. What, what's your tip for others who are going through that and they need to get that work ethic back? What's a trick? So the, the two biggest things I do, cause I have those days, right? Like, when you're high, like, and you and I, both get high, it also means we get pretty low, yeah. right? Like, the higher you get, the lower you get, yeah. okay? If you're just melancholy, no matter what situation, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. So I get very high, I get very low, actually. Um, I always have to remember what I told you. Like, I've only had one panic attack because I remember if I can't control it, then that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And just leave it to God. Like, you stress out and you worry about stuff that you can't control because you're trying to control it. Yeah. You just got to let it go. Yeah. But you also have to have a shoulder to cry on. You do. Like, I'll go to my wife and I'll say, just hold me. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to have that support mechanism that is nothing more than just knowing that someone is there for you yes. when you need them. Right, and so I need to remember it's it's not my it's not my stuff. I'm giving it to God. I just want to be held and, and told to be okay. Right, I'm a 44 year old man. Yes, I do that. I'm, I'm like a child. I want to be held and told it's going to be okay because I'm not perfect. I can't do everything, no matter how much I want to do. Mm. And you have to remember it's okay to show weakness. As a matter of fact, I think it's better to show weakness than not to because it creates empathy and sympathy for your team and the people around you as well. Man. And if all you are is ever a jerk, even though you shouldn't be, then all you'll ever be is a jerk, even though you shouldn't be. I, mean, I, I agree with that. And, and as we get to the back couple of minutes of this show, I, I do want to leave off a couple of things that you've said that are very powerful. And I hope everybody heard them. One is that look at who you're surrounding yourself with. It's an underrated part of work ethic mm-hmm. because if you surround yourself with people who think it's, you know, and, and look, nothing wrong with anybody. I'm not here to judge. But if you surround yourself with people who sleep 
12 hours a day and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they like watching shows instead of mm-hmm. working and not working out or whatever, then that's what you're going to tend to find to be natural. So look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And there's another thing that I think is extremely important. And, and sometimes this has hit me the hard way, but there are sometimes people who are looking to me as maybe a guide for them. They're mm-hmm. looking at me as a leader for them. And I got to remember that when I'm looking at taking that day off and I'm looking at not being my best self, mm-hmm. that somebody else is watching and I can become their stumbling block by virtue of me not mm-hmm. being my best self. So, you know, look at your who you're surrounding yourself with, but also remember that you're making a difference for people, good or bad. You know, the whole reason I became an attorney was because my next door neighbor was an attorney at 12 years old. Yeah. And I wanted to do what he did and I went with him, right? Man. And then that's going all the way back there, but you never know who's watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you always know your wife and your kids and your family and your coworkers, your employees or employer are watching you. So what example are you setting? Like, if you want to be the part, be the part. Mm-hmm. Be there on time. Look the part. Act the part. Act like you want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Don't just be there for a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, I have something called PEP. I don't know if, it, if you've heard this on my show before, but it's professionalism, enthusiasm, and positivity. It's three things you got to have if you're ever going to work with me. Attitude, right? Yeah, 100%. It's all about that attitude. Okay, I've got one last question for you, and this is a really easy one. You mentioned love language a little bit earlier. Yeah. My wife made me read a book on this, so yeah. I know what my love language yeah. is. What's your love language? Uh, Physical touch. Physical touch? Yeah. That's surprising, man. Physical I touch. didn't expect that. You know, I don't need words of affirmation because... Honestly, I don't care if you like me or not. I just right. keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? I don't have time. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. It's never going to be time. I actually don't care about material stuff. I'd rather give stuff away. Yeah. Like, we took the cruise with a team. We spent like 15000 to take the team on a cruise. Yeah, nice. I spent $6 personally yeah. on the cruise ship, right? <laughs> right. I don't need stuff, right? Yeah, right? But it's physical touch. Like, the handshake, the relationship building, the hug, right? All that means more to me because there's a confirmation of that relationship. Well, Thomas... Thank you for being oh. on the show. <laughs> I listen, man. Hey, how's you like? Mine, and just by the way, for everybody who wants to know, mine is words of affirmation. I need that stuff. Give it to me, people. Well, yeah, see, you, you don't have a job where you know every day you wake up, 50% of people won't like you. Right, right, right. right? Exactly. Like, like, I know 50% of people that day are not going to like me. That, that, hey, it's a fair point, man. You got to have some thick skin, too. Right. Well, you know, very good stuff. Well, Tom, I mean, always great having you on the show. For those who want to find you, where can they find you? Sure. Feel free to reach out to us over at Winslow Law, 843-357-9301, winslowlawyers.com. Man, and check him out at networking events. Check out his staff. I know some of his staff, Michelle, good people, good human beings. So yeah, surround yourself with good people, man. Surround yourself with good people. That's a great place to leave off on. So I'm going to say thank you again to our guest. Also, thank you to our Leaders List members, some of the best companies around the area who have that leader mentality across. So check them out on our QR code. The other thing is I want to thank Renovia. Uh, my good friend over at Renovia gave me one of these nice Renovia hats. Pretty sharp looking, so appreciate that as always. And Thank you to our viewers. We appreciate you guys. Hope you got some value today. And we'll see you all next time on the Leader Mentality Show with Rob Clemens.